Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Name the Podcast. I have a guest in this episode and I'm glad that I have a guest because I did say I hate being alone. I prefer having a conversation, you know. So I have a guest and you can see by the title we spoke about something interesting, entrepreneurship versus having a 9 to 5. So yeah, I hope that you guys enjoy this episode and I also wanted to say that I'm officially 22. So if you haven't checked out the episode 22 things that I've learned in 22 years, please go check it out. And yeah, let's get to it. On this episode, we're going to discuss our, well, we're going to have a discussion on our thoughts of entrepreneurship versus having a nine to five. And I have a guest this time around. I'm no longer alone. I actually hate being alone. Like I said in the last episode, I hate being alone. I just prefer having someone to speak to. So I am joined by another podcaster. I don't know if she'd like to introduce herself. Yeah, sure. Hello, everyone. It's Michelle S. from the It's Me, Michelle podcast. And I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much, May, for having me. It's a pleasure, you know, it was a last minute thing, but at least we were able to like have like a little discussion beforehand. I, I'm someone that struggles to call people and speak to people in general. So <laughs> I actually had another episode planned today, but because I hadn't spoken to the person way in advance, it was just going to be like, okay, if I speak to them now, what if they're busy, you know? <laughs> so I was just like, I need to look for someone. And I was like, okay, I need to look for someone. And then I was like, hey, let me ask you. And when you said yes, I was like, okay, great. <laughs> great. I really do. Like when it comes to calling people in general, it's a struggle. I think it's because I'm an introvert in general. So <laughs> I always have to like think through it quite a lot before I actually do it and by the time that I do it time has passed already so yeah it's okay I'm the same way and I'm a huge procrastinator so instead of calling I'll put it off I'll do it in an hour I'll do it two hours yeah. <laughs> and then I just never do it <laughs> okay I think we can start um I can ask the questions do you have any questions that you want to ask I'm sure you do right <laughs> I do because this is on this subject. It's it. I hold it dear to my heart. <laughs> and I only say that because I used to work a nine to five. Like I've been working since I was eighteen years old, nine to five. And even before that, when I was like in high school, I had a little job. You know, that's part time. So I've always been working. But for me, podcasting is definitely more of an entrepreneurship, and it's a different world. So once, you know, you told me the topic, I was like, oh, yeah, girl, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> You've been working for since you're 18. I've never had a job. I've always been saying I need to look for, like, one of those casual jobs that you do during, like, the holidays or something. I just could never do it. I don't know why. <laughs> Over here, we call it seasonal work, and that's um, usually like when the holidays start, like sometime from October to January, and um, you just work seasonally for the holidays. We call it casual. That, I've done it all. Call it casual. <laughs> <laughs> Some, you learn something new, seasonal and casual, okay? <laughs> I like that better. Oh, excuse me, I'm doing some casual work. Yeah, no, we call it casual jobs. I don't know. I don't even know where they got the name from. You know, South Africa just has weird names for different things. I mean, traffic lights. We call them robots. <laughs> Have you ever heard yes. of that? Yes. We call I them robots. I don't even know where we got that name from. And when you think of it, you're like, could it be a robot? Because, like, the lights change. But you're like, How? <laughs> Right. How does it make sense? It's okay. Make it make sense. Call it right. <laughs> Call it a robot. I know that with the you guys call it a you guys call it a gas station, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We call it a garage. <laughs> really? The garage here is like where if we're done for the day, we're gonna you know, park the car, we put it into a garage. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I know that, but like when you say that you're going to get gas or as we say petrol, we say if we're going to the garage. <laughs> 
Like it's just like it. so funny. I don't understand why we why we have I like it's like you guys it's like you all speak in code. I like that. <laughs> we have our own language. I, I started seeing like on Microsoft and everything, they started adding um the South African English and I'm like, Oh that's that's great. <laughs> the South Definitely. African standard and that's great because we do have our own type of language. I feel like every country where English is an official language there's like your own language i think it is it's very different <laughs> yeah anyways i think we can start with the questions um the question that i wanted to ask first is what is entrepreneurship like in your opinion and do you think that we should have been taught about entrepreneurship in school yeah well so for me just quick off the top of my head entrepreneurship is just like when someone or even ourselves we set up business or multiple businesses and we take on all the financial risk but we hope for like a strong reward you know and sometimes it's not like that but that's just you know that's just me thinking about it in a whole um but also entrepreneurship can be an innovator someone who has like good ideas good thoughts like they just spew things out and everything is an idea. Everything is something you can eat a profit out of. And that's what entrepreneurship is to me. Um, now, as far as teaching it in schools, I think we've been set up, you know, because definitely growing up for me, it was you have to work. You have to have a nine to five. You have to make sure you get a paycheck every week or every two weeks. So entrepreneurship was never an option, although it could be, or it was an option, if I'm making any sense. So if we teach everyone a little bit about it, you know, it might intrigue them. I was not taught it at all. I had no idea. I would never in a trillion years think, oh, I can work for myself. That's fine, because there was no stability. That's not stability. But now that I'm older, I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> I don't work for myself. Why not? It's great. I mean, yeah, it's a lot. It's very high risk. And I believe it was Mark Cuban that said, you know, you have to be willing to give up everything you love to be an entrepreneur because you got to give up lifestyles. You got to give up some freedoms. You got to give up some luxuries because you want, you know, make it to the top. You want to make it to the top. And that's the only way to do it. So I think it should definitely be taught. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Do you have anything else to add? Well, I think I think that's it. <laughs> I'm like, that's it. Because I don't know, I just entrepreneurship it's very hard to it's it's a little difficult to talk about only because I just started, you know, mm-hmm. this part of my life. So like my fiance, he's been an entrepreneur for a very long time. But it's also a very interesting story because he was, he used to work, you know, for the government, he used to work in the city, he was a police officer. Mm-hmm. So now that he's retired, you know, he's retired from that stable position that he did his time for, now he's a photographer. And I see him struggle, you mm-hmm. know, and he enjoys all of it. But I do see him reaching out to clients and scheduling things. And I need new camera equipment and I need to have an inventory because. I'm going to spend X, Y, and Z. And now that he became an LLC, he's like, you know, W9s for tax purposes. And I'm just like, what the heck is going on? What is all of this? So it's a different world because you basically have to hustle for yourself now. You're not hustling for someone else. Yeah. So it's just like a yeah. Brand new world. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. In my, in my opinion, well, when I think of entrepreneurship, I think of the same thing that you said, right? The whole starting a business, risking it all, you know, and taking risks in the corporate world and stuff. Literally, like, the willingness to start a business. I mean, also on, when I did a bit of research on the definition, um, on a website that I came across, um, entrepreneurhandbook.co.uk, it literally says um, entrepreneurship refers to the concept of developing and managing a business venture in order to gain profit by taking several risks in the corporate world. Simply put, entrepreneurship is the willingness to start a business. So it's technically what you said. 
It's just a lot more sophisticated. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and do I think that it should have been taught in school? Yes, I do. I think that we kind of do have certain subjects that we are taught in school here in South Africa, like business studies and all, where we do touch on entrepreneurship. But I think we touch on it in the sense of like the definitions and what entrepreneurship, what being an entrepreneur is and all, rather than actually being taught how to like manage the money and everything. I know that when I was in primary school, I think it was in grade six, we had a little like market day type of vibe where you like kind of learned how it is to be an entrepreneur. And then again in grade 11, it was part of our business studies um, assignments and everything. We had another market day type of thing. So in a way, we kind of do touch on it, but I think that it would have been better if we like went in depth, you know? Right. In depth. <laughs> so I definitely feel like it should be taught properly and more. <laughs> okay, and then... Amazing. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Is there anything that... Yeah? I was just going to say, the same way they teach us math and like science and all this other stuff, they should definitely just slide, you know, sneak entrepreneurship in there. Yeah, we should have like a, a, a subject called entrepreneurship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... <laughs> Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Oh, no, no, I actually had a question, but you let me know because I know you're going down your questions. Oh, no, if you had a question, it's fine. <laughs> you can ask me the question. <laughs> All right, well, I wanted to ask you, is entrepreneurship or the entrepreneur culture encouraged in South Africa? I think that it depends. I think right now, I think it's always been encouraged because our unemployment rate is relatively high. I mean, if you look pre-pandemic, we were sitting at 29.6%, I think, pre-pandemic. And right now we're sitting at 34.4%. So I think it's encouraged more among the, amongst the youth that, hey, if you can't find a job because it's very hard to find a job, why don't you look into doing this? Why don't you look into doing that? But also, I think... Funding is also an issue sometimes. So I think we still continue to look for a job because as much as it is encouraged, it's still very hard to go into entrepreneurship because you may not necessarily have the funding. Right. Yes. <laughs> so that's how it is in South Africa. I think that it's encouraged more amongst the youth because of how hard it is to find a job. Oh, I see. Yes. How is it in in the U.S.? Um, well, for us, I will tell you, like everyone here, we just hustle. Like mm -hmm. we can have a nine to five and then we have like a side gig and then another side gig and then one last one for the weekends. Um, and for, for me, at least growing up, that's, I grew up seeing that, but I also grew up seeing my mom and my dad making sure they got to work every day. So like my mom would do, hair on the side and that was just extra income and my dad would like sell things on the side and that was extra income but they still went to their nine to fives every day so i feel the entrepreneurship culture for us has always been there we're definitely encouraged to yeah go ahead work but you can make some quick money on the side if you do x y and z you know what i mean um also even myself i was working very long time ago I've been working for the healthcare system for a very long time, up until recently, up until um, this year. So I used to have like a side gig with a DJ who himself was an entrepreneur and he built his, you know, industry from the ground up. And I was able to see firsthand, you know, invoicing and all this other stuff. So I did learn a lot with him, but that was also my side hustle. Like, okay, I'm working my nine to five, but I'm also learning this entrepreneur life with him. And so he's teaching me the ropes, but I'm also making money on the side. And I can get kind of addicting, you know? It's like, okay, I'm good here. I know I'm going to get my check first, you know, first or first week or two, every two weeks, I'm not sure. But I'm also getting money every evening, you know, going with him, having gigs and going on boats with these boat parties and they're looking for DJs and things like that. 
So it's definitely encouraged in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Everyone has a brand new idea, brand new business, content they want to put out and get paid for. So it's just never ending. Every day there's someone coming up with a new idea. Mm-hmm. So definitely encouraged. I think for, as I said, I think it's more encouraged among the youth because I think yeah. the youth has been able to grow up with more opportunity because, I mean, apartheid only ended in 94. So I think after apartheid, they were just like, okay, you know, if you want to, you can, I think. I don't know. I, I wasn't born, like, in 90. I was, I was born late 99. So for me, <laughs> for me, I think, you just start seeing as you grow older that oh okay what's like from my like from my observance and what I've observed I think it's only starting to be encouraged more now due to the fact that our unemployment rate is high especially among the youth right yeah and then I don't know if you guys have it but tenderpreneurs do you know tenders and tenderpreneurs <laughs> no what's you that? Don't, you don't know that so. If you have like an idea or you want to do something with the government, right? You draw up a contract and you say, this is what I want to do. And it can help the government with something. Um, what they do is that you go to the government. Like, let's say there's like, I don't know if they still do it now. But like from what I know, like the knowledge that I do, that I know is that you draw up a contract and you go to the government. And the government can give you like a contract of a certain amount of maybe like hundreds of thousands or a million in order for you to go ahead and do it as long as it benefits the community or something along those lines. So we call them tenderpreneurs. <laughs> tenderpreneurs, because it's a tender, right? And then they're entrepreneur in a way, so tenderpreneur. But what we realized with tenderpreneurs, especially now, is corruption. So... I think as much as a lot of people see it as a way to get money, no, some people are lucky, some people are not lucky. There's a lot of corruption involved in these tenderpreneurs, um, tenderpreneurship things, because a lot of people, when they get the money, instead of helping the community, they use it for themselves. They use it for their personal gain. So, yeah, that's what we also have in South Africa, tenders, tenderpreneur, and We've had a lot of corruption scandals over the past years, especially during the pandemic, where people took the advantage of these tenders. <laughs> and oh, a lot of a lot of um PP like there was a, a personal protective equipment tender that that last year they someone applied for and instead of using all the money on sending these PPEs to hospitals and stuff. A lot of it, they use it for their personal gain. And when you look at who uses it for their personal gain, it's a lot of politicians that are also involved. So, yeah. Like us over here, I'm like, wait, girl, I think we've gone through the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So we call them gender. Yeah, it's a lot of like the politicians that use it for their personal gain, especially during the pandemic. I mean, we had, um, I think it was the the, the spokesperson of the president was involved in something, and then it was the member of executive committee, like he's the head of health, he was the head of health in our province last year, he was also involved in a corruption scandal, and I know that recently, it was our minister of health that was involved in something during the pandemic, so (laughs) we had to get a new health minister due to that, so I think a lot of the time when you look at who is involved in these scandals. It's usually the politicians. I mean, every now and again, it's people, like ordinary people. But then a lot of these ordinary people are linked to the politicians. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so... Cousins of cousins of cousins. So, yeah, we have that thing called tenderpreneurs. And a lot of people do take advantage of it. I mean... A lot of people do make money out of it as well. I know, uh, I wouldn't even say they're my cousin. They're my cousin's cousin. You know, they didn't finish university because they were lucky. One of those lucky people with tenders and everything. And then I know that there's another cousin of mine, her husband as well. 
was lucky and you're really living life because of tenders. So, yeah. Um, but most of the time, it's all about luck because it can be like you can start anything and you can go to the government and be like, oh, here's my contract. This is it. And then the government can give you money to just start it. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna look that up. See if we have that here. I yeah. Don't, I mean, I don't think I've heard of it, but then again, maybe I just wasn't looking. <laughs> I don't even know if I explained it properly. <laughs> it's just oh, from I my don't. knowledge. I understand. <laughs> from my knowledge, that's what a tenderpreneur is. You call them tenderpreneurs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you were saying with like the hustle culture and everything, it's always been like a part of your guys's life, right? Yeah. Definitely. It's it's something that's viewed as attainable. You just have to be willing to give up a lot, but it is attainable. Mm-hmm. You know, every day, I have to tell you, every day someone has new ideas for like the greatest product, a business venture, just anything, anything, because, you know, entrepreneurship or working for yourself looks different for everyone. But it's just getting it out there and accepting that you might fail at it, yeah, <laughs> you know, that yeah. you might need a backup plan. I think, in my opinion, that's what's a deterrent for so many. So it is encouraged 100%, but many people are just afraid to go down that road <laughs> because sticking to a 9 to 5 is a lot easier than not knowing, you know, when your next check or, you know, a batch of money is going to come to you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Right? Even even in South Africa, it is encouraged, especially now, like with the youth and everything. It's It's very much encouraged. But I think also a lot of like older people are starting to look more into entrepreneurship as well, like have both. And I think it's only like the older people that have like both where they look at the nine to five and they have like these side hustles. But Mm -hmm. a lot of like the older people in South Africa still stick to their nine to five because for them it's just easier. I don't know. (laughs) It just looks like that. I think from, from what I've observed, it just looks like that. You know, a lot of the older people are still focused on 95 and how like a 95 is better because of job security and your salary and everything so yeah that's how it is but I mean for us as a youth because we're growing up more westernized (laughs) we see it as both like okay entrepreneurship is definitely something that we can try and everything because of how we grew up Right. So, you know, now that you've mentioned, like, the youth and things like that, so being that unemployment rate is so high um, in South Africa, you know, and we're living in this virtual world because of COVID, does that make it at all easier or harder to find work or start your own business or hustle for yourself, like, virtually? I think it's easier virtually to hustle for yourself, but it also depends on the resources. You know, not everyone is as advantaged as someone else. I mean, I'm more advantaged because I do have access to the internet. I've got a laptop. I've got, you know, certain things. But, like, there's some people who don't have what I have, right? So, in a way, it kind of is hard for them to go online and look at what they can start. With regards to looking for, like, a job, a normal job, it has become harder, very hard. Like, people will apply, send in their resumes. We call them CVs, curriculum vitae, so their resumes, their CVs and everything, but they still struggle without getting a job. Some people are lucky though, but it's very rare where you'll hear that, oh, someone got a job or someone's getting a job because, yes, our our overall unemployment rate is 34.4%, but uh, among the youth, I think when I, I saw something posted on one of our news websites, I think it was between those between the ages of 21 and 25. It's 74%. So, you know, I think it, it's, it's, it's gotten harder. That's all I'm going to say. It's gotten harder. I mean, it was always hard even pre-pandemic because our unemployment rate was still quite high. But I think now it's even worse because you look at, you know, some jobs, some companies retrain people. You know, people got salary cuts and everything, and there's not enough money to create jobs. So, 
it has gotten harder. It has gotten harder. Not everyone is hiring people. It's not like in the US where people, where companies are going on a hiring spree. It's not like that here in South Africa. In South Africa, it's not like that. So it all depends on luck. I think that's how it is here in South Africa. It's it's very hard now to get a job. And as someone who's almost done with her qualifications, mm-hmm. it's also kind of depressing because now you're looking. Because <laughs> now you're like, okay, I've been looking for. I I was looking for a final year internship the whole of last year. I never found one. Looking for an internship next year, I still can't find one. So you ask yourself, like, what am I going to do? <laughs> what am I going to do? Because I do, the reason, okay, no, this will be discussed in another question, it's fine. But, like, yeah, <laughs> I think it's it's gotten harder. But it's a lot easier if you have access to the internet to look for something to do online and work from home and stuff that's easier but like other than that i think it just it just depends on how lucky you are that's all i'm going to say because i've heard of people who got jobs recently so it literally it it depends on how lucky you are right like a hit or miss yeah right yeah it's so interesting because over here there are people who are refusing to go back to work because they're living off unemployment or whatever stimulus checks they're receiving. And they're like refusing their jobs are open and they're available. And they're just like, no, we're not coming back. Mm-hmm. So there have been many businesses that I've been to that, you know, I love to have conversations. So I'm like, oh, you know, how's it going? What's going on? And I went to a spa recently that my fiance had booked. And I asked her, you know, how's everything going? Because it was very quiet. And she said, girl, no one wants to come back to work. And I couldn't believe that. I'm like, really? Right before COVID, people were struggling, talking about how they need to make more money. Mm-hmm. You know, jobs mm-hmm. aren't being, you know, jobs aren't available in the U.S. And because everything's being outsourced, blah, blah, blah. Now people don't even want to go back to work. So it's interesting to hear from your perspective how work is hit or miss. Being <laughs> people have jobs and they're like, nope, we're not going back. We're going to stay home. We're going to relax. And we're going to live off the land and or the government. And I'm just like, what? So you're never going to go back to work? <laughs> so it's very interesting to hear that. Yeah, it's a hit or miss. We also do have like those little stimulus checks and unemployment mm-hmm. funds and everything. Um, We have one for like those people who like don't work at all and they don't they're not like even if you're like a, a student you're not funded by the government or anything you can apply for it and you don't pay tax you apply for it and you get three, 350 rand that's actually nothing compared to dollars i think that's as like 20 dollars <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Just be told, when you think of it, the only thing that 350 rand does, because they want to, like, cover for, like, those who are unemployed, it literally just buys the basics. It doesn't do anything else. It literally buys the basics. And that's it. You can't pay for your electricity. You can't pay for anything. So I asked myself, like, when the government says that they're going to give you 350, what are you going to do with it? (laughs) Because, I mean, for me, it would be... It's great because I can save it and use it for something else. I mean, other than that, my basics are covered because I live at home and, you know, my mother pays for everything. But, like, what about those others who have nothing? What do they do with 350 rand? How do they live? Because I can think of it. I mean, like, guys, but it literally buys the basics. Like, that's all it does. So we have that. And then I know that we also have... Like, if you're unemployed or you lost your job and, like, your, com- your company didn't give you, like, a severance package or anything, you can apply for the unemployment fund. That's what we have. I'm not entirely sure how much it is, but I think you do, like, get it. You get, like, I think you get for the amount of months that you haven't, you have been out of work or something along those lines. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Or based on your salary or the salary that you got, maybe, like, they use, like, a percentage yeah, we do have that. But I don't think people want it. They want a job. I think that's how it is. Yeah, people want jobs. Like People are tired. They just want jobs. <laughs> they just want to work. Yeah. They want that stability. They want that stability. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, 
Okay, the question that I want to ask this, or oh, do you have anything else to add? No, no. Okay. No, thank you. <laughs> I wanted to ask, like, why are more people starting to realize that a 9 to 5 isn't necessarily the only way now? See, I, I'm going to go with what you've been saying on this one. I think the youth is recognizing that a 9 to 5 is not necessary, but the older generation is still stuck, you know, in their old ways because they've been at it for so long. So, you know, it's kind of that saying, you know, you can't teach old dog new tricks. Mm -hmm. So I don't see, I definitely don't see old people or older, the older generation, I want to call them old people, (laughs) the older generation, I don't want to offend nobody, the um, older generation definitely stick to the 95 because they're like, you know, we've been at this for so many years and once we're done, we can retire. But the younger generation is like, well, we have, you know, social media. We have all these things in our hands, in our power. We can make money just by, you know, an example is like TikTok. I don't know their actual numbers, but, you know, if you produce enough content and you have enough followers, once you hit that peak, you start getting paid for your content. So kids love that. You know what I mean? Like kids love to, they love to act a fool on camera and record it and send it out to the interwebs and have everyone look at it and like it, you know. Imagine like the older generation trying to do that. Like my mother or your mother or like our grandparents, you know, like imagine that. They're definitely they would not going to do that. <laughs> Absolutely not, you know, so they're not going to do that. So definitely the youth is realizing that there are other ways to make money and having nine to fives. Then you also have like these pop-up jobs now. I don't know if you're familiar with like Postmates or um, like Uber Eats. Oh, or, yeah. Like, we, we have like, yeah, we have Uber Eats. And you have another thing called Mr. D Food, Mr. Delivery Food. And yeah, yeah, yeah. we have the same. <laughs> so you do have things like that. Right? Yeah, we like, do have things like that. <laughs> yeah, so if you think about it, a lot of these places, you create your own schedule. So a conventional nine to five or seven to three, eight to four, whatever shift it is you have, these kids are looking at it like, why? We can do a couple of hours of Uber Eats. We'll make enough money for the week and we're good. You know, that's really how they're looking at it. Mm -hmm. Um, But the only difference is they don't have like that stability, you know, they don't have a home or rent to pay for, (laughs) you know, they don't have to purchase things every day so making a couple hundred bucks here and there is okay because a lot of them still live with their parents but once they really get big get up there stuff just keeps you know it gets thrown at them you know social media instagram wants to throw things at you you want to be an influencer fine here we're going to throw all this stuff at you and you reach like this level of i guess you reach this level with the social media that like you're known and you just get paid to be known you know, you have YouTube channels, you get paid for having YouTube channels, for having views, for having ads. So if you think about it, why would I go into a nine to five when I can just start a YouTube channel slowly but surely to start it, you know, have ads run, have people view my content and then just slowly have income rolling in. Yeah. And I, I, I believe that's the difference, but I can't imagine my mom <laughs> saying, what? I'm going to quit my job at the school and I'm just going to do hair from the apartment. It's, like, it's just not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work for her. She's going to go crazy trying it. And then with, with COVID, she wants nobody in the house. It's just, it's it's a different world right now. Yeah. And I think entrepreneurship is leading it. Yeah, that's, that's so true. That's so true. I think in South Africa, the same thing that you said, right? But I think that a lot of the older people are also like trying to figure like I think a lot of the older people are starting to become frustrated with the fact that some of them still have to go like physically to work. I mean, my mother, for example, I remember last year when I mean they had been off school for like months before the government was like, Okay, we put, you know, safety precautions in place, we've done this, we've done that. Now you guys need to go back to school. My mother kept on complaining. She's like, if only she had this, if only she did this. So I think it depends on which field you work in as an older person. But I don't know. That's how it is here. I think from what I've seen, or maybe because with my mother, that's how it was. Because, I mean, if you look at like when lockdown started last year, or like when schools closed, 
I think they, they closed from the 18th of March last year, and they only opened again in June. So you can imagine like that whole period being relaxed. Now all of a sudden they have to go back and be just like, oh, <laughs> you know. So I think my mother, she was just like complaining, like she's been complaining about it like throughout the entire pandemic that if only she had something else, if only she had something else. So I think that it, I think that the pandemic kind of played a role in people starting to realize that a nine-to-five isn't necessarily the only way. That's what I think. Yeah. And I also, I also think that a lot of the youth definitely are starting to realize that, hey, a nine-to-five isn't necessarily the only way. I mean, for me, for example, when I started, um, <laughs> when I started university, initially I was like, okay, when I'm done with school, I'm going to get a job and then I'll look at, I'll look at, um, I'll look at, like, entrepreneurship opportunities while I'm within my 95. But now, as I'm almost done, I'm like, do I really need the 95? <laughs> like, right. I'm looking at it and I'm like, aren't there, like, other things for me to do? So I think, I think it all depends on who you are as a person. I think... Yeah, but, like, I think a lot of us are only starting to realize now that a 95 isn't necessarily the only way because of the pandemic. You know, a lot of people lost their jobs. Yeah, it opened their eyes. Yeah, so I think... What can I do? Yeah, so I think the pandemic also played a role. But now, as much as the pandemic played a role in South Africa, people now want jobs again. So you ask yourself, like... (laughs) You guys are complaining, saying that, oh, I lost my job, now I need to, I should have done this, I should have done this, but now you guys want jobs again, so, yeah. <laughs> Which one is it? <laughs> so I just think, I think the pandemic played a role. I think the pandemic may, like, open a lot of people's eyes now that a 95 isn't necessarily the only way, and also with social media and everything, yeah. A lot of the youth are like, oh, it's not necessarily the only way because we have social media. So, And the yeah. world is very virtual, especially now during the pandemic. I mean, we are always online, you know. So, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, imagine, I, I, these numbers might be wrong, but like 25, 30 years ago, let's say, when the internet was just becoming a thing, how did we get, you know, the words out? At least in for my generation, you know, we put up flyers. Musicians would make like cassette tapes to promote themselves and mail them out to um, you know these places. You know, word of events got passed down from one person to one person to one person. So imagine now, social media has made it so easy to put yourself out there to actually sell your product, and you do it yourself. So it, it really cuts out the middleman. You know, it cuts out everyone. You do everything yourself. So however you want to be seen whatever brand you want to build or label yourself with, you're doing it all on your own because of social media. Mm-hmm. It's just it's so simple. For, mm-hmm. It just made it so simple for everyone to see everything just around the world. So imagine where there was a time where you had to promote yourself just in your community. Now you're promoting yourself around the world. Mm-hmm. So definitely entrepreneurship, it's, it's at a rise. Mm-hmm. Because why not? You know, why not? Why I'm putting myself out there the same way you're putting yourself out there. You're being listened to all parts. You're in South Africa. I'm in New York. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's just like we're making these connections and we're doing it on our own. Yeah. We reached out to each other like we're doing it on our own. No yeah. So it's definitely on the rise, girl. <laughs> <laughs> definitely is. Is I think you can ask a question now. <laughs> yeah, of course. Let's see. I think I have one more question. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So... Who's most likely to, to succeed in entrepreneurship, you know, or moving up any corporate ladder if we were talking about ethnicity? Because to me, like my opinion, ethnicity is a global issue and people of color just have a harder time, yeah. whether it's climbing up a corporate ladder, you know, finding a job, going to an interview and being perceived as someone who's intellectual or intelligent and knows what they're talking about. So I wanted to know how it was for you. Okay, so we have um, black people, we have 
the colored race. I don't um the colored race in South Africa it's a race on its own, but it's a mixed race race. I don't know where they got colored from. <laughs> um the race was created when like the Dutch settlers came and they started sleeping with like the black people and then they just created a race on their own. <laughs> so <laughs> we have the black people, we have the colored people. And then we have Asians and we have Indians. That's like majority. Oh, that's like the ones that we see on like our on our forms when you fill out your forms. That's what you see. Um. So, but black and white is still the one that you see a lot because that's how society is. They see black and white. So, from what I've realized is, even though. Okay, just hold on. People are making a noise outside. It's okay, it happens to me sometimes too. I'm just glad it's fairly quiet today. <laughs> okay, as I was saying, from what I've seen, or maybe it's because I grew up post apartheid, not during apartheid, what I've noticed is that. As much as black people have more opportunity, and yes, you know, black people are in power, you know, our government is black, we have black people. As much as it's like that, white people still have more of an advantage because of like how they grew up during apartheid, you know, a lot of their wealth still stems from their ancestors and everything. and. Yeah, so I feel like for white people, they still have an advantage in entrepreneurship stuff because and they just have they just have an advantage. I feel like it's like that in the U.S. as well. They just have an advantage because of how I mean they've always had opportunity. You know, they've never been they never lived through a time where there was segregation where they lived worse of the other race you know so white people have always had an advantage and i've always seen that white even if black people have more opportunity in south africa you know with all the different policies that have been put into place you just black people are still struggling majority of the people in the country that are poor are black people and even when it comes to like getting a job and everything black people still struggle when it when it's even when you look at like the median income the median household income black people are still at the bottom so i just think white people have more more of an advantage because of the wealth that have made that may have been passed down onto them you know a lot of the white people in south africa you'll find that um, maybe their parents or their grandparents owned like a mine so it's easier for them to just go to the top you know a lot of even if depending on what they studied maybe they studied that because they know that they're going to get a job there so i'm speaking from a white and black perspective because that's what we see a lot as compared to like the colors and the asians and the indians so i just think that white people it's easier for them as compared to black people although black people do have an advantage and i another thing that i've seen is that Black people have an advantage when it comes to corruption and nepotism. If you know someone within government or you know someone that works at that company, if they're your friend, you can get that job. I've seen it a lot in like government, the government sector, the public sector. It happens quite a lot at like the government departments where you'll find that your senior, someone who's like a, a chief director or like the head of department isn't as qualified as you or doesn't even have a qualification but they in charge of and when you look at it they probably got that job due to nepotism so i think yeah i don't know like black people are just struggling in south africa another thing <laughs> as much as you know it's post apartheid we have more opportunity we just can't get that opportunity I, I agree, and it's definitely, I mean, nepotism is real. Sometimes you sit back and you wonder, how the heck did you get that job? Yeah. You must know somebody, <laughs> like you must know somebody on the inside because, 
I can do this better. What's happening? But um, for us, it's it's pretty much. I mean, it's the same thing. That's why I think it's just like a goal. It's just an international global. This is just the issue. Like Black, African American, Hispanics, Latinos. Like we earn less than our white and Asian counterparts, and that's mm-hmm. according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And it's as recent as I think I looked it up as uh, September is 2021. We're still making less, and it's 2021. It is the 21st century. Mm-hmm. And we're, so it just, it's insane to me because if you start thinking, okay, fine, we're making less, we're making ends meet, we're living paycheck to paycheck, but then you're confined, right, to a certain community or to a certain part of the world because if you go somewhere else, you won't be able to afford it. Right? Mm-hmm. And then you're like, well, I'll go for this higher paying job, but you always have that thought in the back of your mind, well, I might not get it because of my ethnicity. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. Completely unfair. That's, that's true. It's like you said, very black and white. Yeah. And I think that it's only like the black, we always focus on black and white because that's how we see the world. Mm-hmm. Like society just always, um, they, they, they put a magnifying glass on like, the issues of white and like black between black and white people rather than you know other well sometimes they do show the other ethnicities i'm not sure how it is in the u.s but in south africa it's always between black and white it's like they just forget about the colored people and the asian people <laughs> and the Indian people. they just forget about them and when you look at it the colored people are actually struggling even more than black people in south africa but they never really pay attention to them because during a bad date, colored people did have more an advo- more of an advantage because some of them could pass off as white people because a lot of colored people are like fair skinned and they do have that like straight hair and stuff. So I think I don't know. I think that's also another reason. I don't so know. So they're like white passing. They, right? so they're white yeah, passing. Yeah, in the past they could white pass. So I think that's also another reason why a lot of people don't necessarily pay attention to them as much as the black people because it was the black people that were struggling in numbers as compared to the other ethnicities and races so i don't know i don't know like yeah (laughs) white people still have more of an advantage (laughs) as much as yeah i said they do yeah yeah they do even with like our country being run by black people white people majority of the economy and they don't want to tell us this, but I believe the majority of the economy is still run by white people. As much as the black people are in power, majority of the economy, I mean, if you look at like the richest families in South Africa, majority of them are white. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. All the money, they take all the money. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Oh. Is there any other questions that you'd like to? No, I don't have any questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wanted to add like the socioeconomic backgrounds. Could it be that more people go into nine to fives than entrepreneurship because of how they grew up? I think we kind of mentioned this, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, I think we did. Definitely. I know that's the main reason why. I was like, I need to work a nine to five because I need to survive. You know, growing up, that's what I saw. That's what I was taught. That's what I was told. Not only from like school, but also friends, family, you know, just everyone. That's, that's the main thing. Well, you have to make sure you get an education because you have to work. You know, it was never, well, get an education, you know, but there's also this option. Option B, you can do something you're really passionate about. You can't try to venture off that way. That was never an option. It was never presented. It was always, you have to go to work. You have to make sure you work because if not, you won't survive. Mm-hmm. So I think it's definitely the way we were brought up. You know, we were brought up that we have to hustle for someone else to make sure we have food on our table. You know, I think that's the best way I can put it. I think for us, it's definitely the way that we grow up. A lot of black people would go into nine to fives because 
when you look at like the socioeconomic backgrounds, they go to school, they go get their qualification because education is their only way out. And then, of course, after getting their qualification, they get a nine to five and then they help out at home. So I think it's definitely the way people grew up. Um, they didn't have, they weren't presented with the opportunity of looking into business ventures. So I think it does definitely play, play a role. For me, having a nine-to-five has always been something that my family well, because I didn't grow, I didn't grow up like rich or anything, you know. I was, I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily presented with a lot of opportunities or anything. So, of course, going to school and getting a qualification was something that I needed to do because of the way that I grew up. But I think that as the years go by, like every year that you like, when you see that you're closer and closer to finishing your qualification. I think that's when you start looking into other things. That's what I did. So I don't know if it's like the way that I think the reason why I started looking into other things is because I wanted a better life. I want a better life for myself. I wanted to be better than the way that I grew up. You know, I mean, I had to go to school after high school, whereas there's some people who don't necessarily have to go to university or college after high school. So I think I think the socioeconomic background does definitely play a role with regards to like the nine to fives and the entrepreneurships. The entrepreneurship thingy. Um also do you think that it's better to work a nine to five for government or for a private company? It's so funny <laughs> question. So before I even came on, I was having a discussion with my friends about stuff like this because, like I said, he was a police officer, he's now retired, and, you know, he has his pension, he's worked his years, he's done what he has to do. But then, on the flip side, I've worked for so long, I've worked for many years, like I said, since I was 18, but I don't, you know, like, I never worked in a job where I had a pension or, you know, things that, once I retire, I'll be able to have some or reap anything any benefit and I think it's so interesting so I always so we were going back and forth right so I told him I definitely think a government job would be you know beneficial because you you get you kind of it kind of sets everything up for you and I think that's the luxury of having a government job at least here in the U.S. everything is set up right from the first day you go in the amount you're going to get paid is set to like five years and 10 years and you do your 20 years depending on you know what organization you work for and what retirement time looks like but everything is set up for you you don't have to worry about anything and that's very comfortable right and I think that's what we're talking about we're talking about being comfortable working our nine to five because we don't have to think about anything we know we're going to get money we know once we're 65 we're going to retire and we're going to have a pension to fall back on you know so I never had that and that was all back and forth because he's like well yeah but when you work private you have more luxury you know like you can quit go to another job that pays you more however for me if I quit my government job I'll go to another government job and I'll start back at base pay I won't keep the salary I was making so I think there's a lot of differences however in my opinion I definitely think a government job is the there's just a lot more security if you're looking for that, right? Because, like I said, I'm on this entrepreneurship road, and you can't, I, can't, I won't turn back. But if I were looking for some type of stability to make sure I'm good and I don't have to worry about anything for my children, my family, down the line, you know, it would definitely be a government job. It's just a lot more stable. It would make me feel a lot more comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly what she said. I, I definitely agree with you because as when you get a government job, I mean, you have everything set up. I mean, you see your benefits. You get medical aid. I mean, I don't know how it is in the U.S., but we have, like, government medical aid here in South Africa, the health insurance. We have, they call it the government employees medical scheme. So, I mean, you get, you get that benefit. You get, so I think having a government job is definitely much better because you have everything set out for you. Whereas with a private company, also what I've also realized with the private company is that you may not necessarily get the same amount every month 
with regards to your salary or maybe it's because it depends on which private company you work at i don't know but i know that there's some people who complain about private companies saying that they got paid late or they don't you know so i think sometimes that's also a disadvantage of a private company or maybe it's only south africa i don't know but what i like about government jobs is that your job is there job security salary is there you're gonna get paid every month whether whether there was a, a, a riot, whether there was a strike, he's still going to get paid, you know? Like, because, <laughs> you, you know, you work for the government. It doesn't matter what goes on in the government. You're still going to get paid. So I think it's a benefit with regards to the fact that you still get your salary. It doesn't get cut. I know that with when the pandemic happened, none of the government employees had their salaries cut, you know? Whereas private companies... A lot of employees had their salaries cut. A lot of people got retrenched. But within yeah. the government, you know, not, not, I don't think anyone got retrenched and you still got your salary the way that it was before the pandemic. So I think it all depends. I know that in South Africa, looking to work for a private company is definitely more attractive because you are guaranteed more you are guaranteed a job as compared to government mm-hmm. due to the fact that, you know, our government is a mess right now with the unemployment rate. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for job security, government is definitely the place to be. Right. So yeah. I think it depends. It depends on what you want. I know with what I've studied, government is going to be the place to be, but there's no jobs for government. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, with what I've studied, definitely the government. Like, that's where I belong with what I've studied. So, I don't know. It, it just depends. I mean, if you want your salary, like, you job security, and then, like, knowing that on this day you're going to get paid your salary, then definitely government. If you are okay with your salary being cut or not getting paid on time, then private is okay. <laughs> I like something like, well, private, I guess. But I think also with private, like there's more promotion that more promotion opportunities than in government. I do agree with that, yeah. And I know that within SA, corruption play is plays a very big role with promotion in government. You know the whole nepotism part <laughs> so i don't know like it's it's up to you where you want to work i know for me government is definitely going to be the place that i need to go due to what i've studied but i haven't necessarily seen any like private companies saying that they want someone who studied what i've studied <laughs> i mean <laughs> i really haven't so <laughs> It's government that, or and I think, and it's understandable because of what I'm studying. What I'm studying, so I don't know. It depends on what you want as a person. Right. Your preference, right? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. What it is. <laughs> is there anything that you want to add? I think we're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much for accepting the invite. Of course, absolutely. I think I've learned a bit more about the US, but I I think there's a lot of similarities Mm -hmm. as well. I don't know if you've heard of it, like you were able to hear the similarities. But don't you also think that the different type of government also plays a role in like the way people on point i mean you guys are federal country we are quasi federal state we are quasi federal so we are unitary state with federal characteristics so no definitely like one thing i know when it comes to private and you know government uh, work or jobs government lasts forever because a government will exist forever at least here in the u.s yeah so it's like 
that's where that job security comes from. We will always have true, a government. And then private is definitely a lot more corporate. You can hit or miss like you like we've been talking about before. Mm-hmm. You can either get a salary cut or a pay increase whenever they feel like it or mm-hmm. cut your hours. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But with government, you, you don't have any of that. You cut all of that out. So I think that government does have more well, type of security. does have a big, yeah, it does have a big... Um, influence in that i wonder how like your government jobs are in the u.s i mean it's different countries <laughs> i've always wondered because it's different countries and the way that everything is run as compared to sa you know i don't know if anyone's gonna cancel me if i say this but a lot of our ministers like the the, the the head of like the minister of health like the minister of education the minister what do you guys refer to them as <laughs> um well I, i'm not sure so we have like the president we have governors we have the mayor um so i'm trying to see like what would we okay like the one that's in charge of defense for example like what do you guys refer to them as i know we call them the minister of defense <laughs> Um, I think they might call them the same thing. We have, really? well, you have, we have like the, we have a secretary of defense, but they all oh. run with, with the president. You know what I mean? Yes, like, so yes. Like, that's what you guys yes. call You see the secretary of defense, that's a um, minister so of defense here in South Africa. Yes. You know why I say this? Because I saw, I saw a comparison of the secretary of defense in South, in the U.S. and within South Africa, right? And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because most of the people who are within those positions here in SA, a lot of them aren't necessarily qualified to be in those positions. And like when I saw this comparison, I was like, look at the Secretary of Defense in the U.S., you know, he's qualified. And then you look at our Minister of Defense, they don't even know anything about this because you just look at the qualification and you're like, so how are you the Minister of Defense? (laughs) So... This is when you just, like, realize that, guys, corruption is a thing in South Africa. I think the only people that are, like, um, qualified to do their jobs or, like, have experience is, like, the Minister of Education, definitely. The Minister of Health, because they are a qualified doctor. But the others, I don't don't think... (laughs) They don't make sense to you. (laughs) So, honestly, I think in our country... More than anything, working for government is great and all, but like you must know that corruption is a thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean it happens here too. It does happen here too. But the US is we're just we're very let's see, we're very secretive. <laughs> so a lot of things are very hush hush, very quiet, very okay, we'll fix this, okay, we'll fire this person, we'll bring this person in, make it a big party, and we're okay. So definitely don't think it doesn't happen here. It does happen here. When you I feel like we just hear less about it. You oh. know, because they try to just cover their tracks very well, fix the issue internally, and that's it. The problem is gone. It's like it never existed. There's no issues anymore. <laughs> So <laughs> here in SA, ever since um, our current president took over, he brings corruption to light. He doesn't play that game. He brings it to light. Like, I feel like, no offense to our former president, I'm not even going to say his name, but I know people are going to cancel me for this <laughs> if they were to hear it, but I'm just going to mention it, that our former president, he didn't necessarily bring, he didn't bring it to light because he was corrupt himself, right? So I'm saying that if he was the president right now, we wouldn't have heard about all the corruption scandals that took place during the pandemic. We wouldn't have heard about so many things. But this president that we have right now, like, he brings it to light. He says it. He brings it to light. He's like, you guys are corrupt. We're going to ask you. And he asks them or he, like, put them on temporary unpaid leave. Look at, for example, our Minister of Health, because this is a recent one. Our Minister of Health, they got him. They put him on unpaid leave. Then they asked him and they replaced him. Like, he doesn't play that game. <laughs> I know. Okay. Corruption is definitely still there with regards to him as well because of the political party that's in charge. But what I like about him is that he actually brings corruption to light. He brings it. Like, 
to like on the media everything and I know that this is like chaining off like the 95 and top inertia thing but like (laughs) and what I've also realized is that the highest crime in South Africa is actually corruption and bribery it surpasses all the other crimes in the country like that's the highest crime and I think it kind of makes sense because we, we do live in the most unequal society in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, corruption is a thing in South Africa. So I'm just saying that if you want to work for government in South Africa, just know that your, se- the someone, your senior, your supervisor may be less qualified than you. Than you, right? Yeah, so <laughs> that's how it is. <laughs> um. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on today, the podcast. Of course, thank you so much for having me. It's an amazing time. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to tell people who are lis- who are listening right now where they can get your podcast, and we just like give a little description about the podcast. Sure. I mean, so I'm all. I should be on all platforms, but just in case, definitely Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor FM, you know, all that good stuff. Um, it's called It's Me, Shell, like my name, Michelle. Um, and it's about a little bit of everything. I mean, I've been through a lot from a very young age, and I feel like everything I talk about is super relatable. Someone is always saying, oh my gosh, I went through the same thing. And I said, well, why don't I just talk about it? Why don't I just make a podcast talking about all the crap I've been through? And I'm sure everyone's going to say, oh, yeah, I definitely, one way or another. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, I've I've been there. I've been there. So definitely talk about a lot of that. I blast current events because I just love talking about all that stuff, too. And the most recent is William Shatner going up to space on uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, Mm -hmm. Blue Origin. So I just talk a lot about current events. A lot of funny stuff. Just try to lighten the mood every Monday, you know, just to make you happy because everyone hates Mondays here in the U.S. <laughs> marks the beginning of their work. So just try to make everyone a little happier. That's all. <laughs> right. And then on your social media platforms? Definitely. So Instagram, if you go to at its.me, and that's mi.me.shell, just click the link on my bio. Everything's on there. All my other socials are on there. Everything from where you can listen to the podcast to my TikTok. Just go on the, you know, just the link in the bio. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to Nay the Podcast. If you'd like to constantly be kept in the loop about the podcast, you can follow this podcast on Instagram at Nay the Podcast or on Twitter at Podcast Nay. Like I always say to people, listen to the podcast, follow the podcast, and share the podcast. Till next time.